This is Podflix, episode 197. I'm Willie. I'm Nish. I'm Paul. That little, like, getting into character moment, Paul, was I had to look up uh, the exactly what the name of this movie is that we watched this week, which is <laughs> <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. I was just, like, infinitely curious about this. Is there commas? Are there periods? Is this not called what I think it's called in my head? Like, what is the name of this goddamn movie? There was a really good... Um, Twitter meme that's been going around that that basically said um, the title of the last movie you watched is also the title of your sex tape, and I felt pretty good about my answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. That is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna let you guys know ahead of time that I didn't know a lot about this movie going in, other than that it had some type of flair for the multiverse, and um, people seem to really like it. So, um, did, did you? What kind of spoilers did you know going into this movie? Not much. I, I knew who was in it and I knew like the general premise of the movie, but not really. I, I I guess what I knew about it was that it was a multiverse movie and I knew a few of the people who were in it and that's it. Yeah. And, and, and that it was like, I mean, we'll, we'll find out if we felt this way, but like the way that I heard it described was it's like, you know, did you not feel like there was like enough actual multiverse action in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which we definitely did not feel like there was enough. And it's like, well, this movie has multiverse stuff, like like the like probably more of the kind of stuff you wanted. That was that was the way I sort mm. of had it advertised to me a little more. Yeah, I think like you guys, I didn't know too very much, but I mean, I assumed there'd be a lot of martial arts in it since Michelle Yeoh was starring in the movie. Um, I did not. That's funny. I, I didn't make that assumption. There'd be a lot of martial arts. Interesting. And I think, I mean, we'll talk about it. And I think my, my expectations were subverted <laughs> in large part, yeah, in large portions would, of this movie. I would say so. Yeah. Cool. Um, this is a tough one to kind of describe what the heck happens, I think in some respects, but in other respects, maybe not. So can you try and I'll lightly bow tie this one first, Nish? I can, I can set up the premise. I think, I think that's about as much as you really want to do in this movie. Uh, otherwise you just start talking for a very, very long time which Lord knows I can do and will probably do anyway. But um, so everything everywhere all at once uh, is about the, uh, the Wong family um, and specifically um, Evelyn Wong, who is our, our protagonist. Um, so she um, runs a laundromat um, and lives above the laundromat in a, in a little apartment with her husband and, um, well, really just her husband, I guess, but who actually lived there. But she also has an adult daughter who's probably, what, in her 20s? I don't think they ever really say, but, you know, a, a young adult daughter uh, named Joy. Her um, husband's name is Waymond. Um, and uh, and her father has come over from China uh, uh, recently to visit Gong Gong. Um, and the laundromat is failing. Um they are in the middle of uh, basically having to undergo a tax audit and things kind of don't look very good. Um, she is not happy with in, in her marriage with her husband, um, or maybe a better way to say it is that her husband is not happy in the marriage with her. Um, 
she is kind of estranged from her daughter um who uh is lesbian and is trying to introduce her or, or not introduce but trying to trying to kind of make her girlfriend kind of a bigger part of the family and just and and the evelyn's kind of resisting it but as much so because she just has a million things going on and is just sort of all over the place like she's a mess um she's a pretty miserable person is the way that i would say it um and and she's kind of miserable to other people as well because she is miserable um and in the middle of all that when they are on their way to the tax audit um an alternate version of her husband waymond inhabits uh waymond's body for a, for a, a moment and tells her that she is the key to basically saving um all of the universes of the world from an attack by basically an, an evil being who seeks seeks to kind of destroy um all of the universes but destroy the multiverse and the movie kind of goes from there basically that's that's the setup okay. it's a good setup um i wanted to point out in the beginning i watched the beginning three different times um not by not not intentionally i think the f- so like it just kept starting and being like oh shit this is like within the first 10 minutes i got the feeling immediately I'm like oh this is going to be really good i don't i don't want to watch this now i want to save it and then i try it again and then i get another like five minutes in and i realized oh i think my daughter would really like this movie too so like i'll wait and we'll rent out the movie theater downstairs and do that and that came with a whole another ball of um wax when i got to the dildo fighting scene and being like "Ooh, god like what's happening right now like i didn't see that one coming but um we'll get to that the first 10 15 minutes of the movie i love the tempo of it there was something very just like normal family interaction about it like and then there's like the quick jump scenes where her husband is like doing some type of ninja shit on the on the monitors in the background yeah the, um, what do you guys think monitor. about kind of the the setup before we got to the meet. I thought the setup was good. I mean, I think they do a really good job establishing her life and the complications and, and, and why she's kind of, you know, going through the motions as it were. And like, like I very much got the sense from the beginning part that she is someone who just like her day is very busy, but also very unrewarding. And she just kind of doesn't have time to stop and think about anything. Right. I, I, I agree with you, Paul. And uh, like, I would say it's fairly economical the way they put they, the way they set that all up, not in the way that it's like, there, there's a lot to set up in the, in that, in, in a fairly short amount of time, because you have to get a sense for what happens later. You have to get a sense of like all of the different things that are basically, um, kind of intruding on her life and causing her stress in her life and you have to get it in somewhat of a deep way because i i feel like this movie doesn't just like pick those things back up like as the movie goes on but they are major parts of the movie like the way that her daughter feels in that relationship the way that her husband feels in the relationship even like the you know even like the grandfather to some extent with everything and you know like all of that kind of comes back into play in like major ways I would say, in in terms of like you know, because because this movie ends up being like a fairly, um, as much as it's like multiversal and and all that, it it also ends up being like driven, like the plot and like the story of it is driven a lot by like the characters' emotions and their 
feelings and and regrets about like what they did do or didn't do that that kind of stuff and evelyn especially and so i feel like you really have to get a good sense of a lot of that stuff in the first like 10 minutes i'd say right like that that that, that first opening part so yeah i thought i thought they did a very good job with it um yeah i didn't recognize jamie lee curtis when when she showed up not at first right i i knew she was one person i knew was going to be in it so i recognized her but uh. But otherwise, no, I mean, that is a hideous, hideous wig in, in the best way <laughs> it is supposed to be. Um, but but just even the way she acts is like and, and I'm talking about before she's like doing like a Michael Myers impression, like later on and stuff like that, like like even just as the tax auditor, um, just the way she talks and everything, it really like like I would not I would not have been able to pick out it was Jamie Lee Curtis very easily if I didn't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I did not know she was in this, and it took me a couple of minutes, and then I realized it was her, and I was like, "Hmm, I guess she has a cameo in this movie for some reason, and like won't really be a big part of it." And then, boy, was I wrong about that. Yeah, she's a major character. Her, um, they. I don't know that they ever say it right in the movie. I mean, they say her name is Deirdre. I don't know if they ever say her last name, but it's on her awards. Her last name is Bobirdra. <laughs> she is. She is, awesome. is Deirdre Bobirdra. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> I knew I couldn't figure out. I don't know where I even start this, this part of the conversation or structure it, but I but I knew something was going to be a. I couldn't figure out what was going on in the bill, and she was like, "And these are my awards for being the auditor of the year." And the first thing I was like, "Is that a butt plug?" Like, what is <laughs> oh, that? it's like, very clear. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and 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 I definitely like, it, and it was definitely a thing where it's like, okay, like this is this looks like a butt plug for a reason. Like I don't know what it is yet, or if it's just this is the joke, just that yeah. that, that it looks like a butt plug. Um, I thought like but, I thought yeah, because I when I saw that I was like, mm, okay, I now know what kind of movie I'm watching. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I saw this movie after you know I, I read a review or two after I after I watched it, and I saw it like absurdist was definitely a word used in a couple of the reviews, and it's like yeah. Definitely, definitely has an absurdist streak uh, running through it. All right. So with that in mind, let's let's transition over to just some of the characters and some of the actors in here. So um, when we were going to originally record this that morning, Paul, you shot a Slack message and you're like, holy shit, it's short rounds. Yeah. So, Which I did you didn't not recognize realize. him. You didn't recognize him like right away. No, I did not. Like once I once I saw that i was like oh of course yeah, but to, like to be fair i knew he was in it but it's like the moment he opened his mouth too it was just like oh my god he still has short rounds voice <laughs> like oh my god his voice is still so high i mean like not literally short rounds voice because he is an adult but practically it's still really high and still sounds just like it so i want to talk about the family but i don't know i don't know if this i don't know if the actor that what, what is the actor's name ki hu kwan yeah uh I, I don't know if he's been in it. Like, I've just not followed his career arc. Has he, he taken a break from acting and just showed back up? Has he been kind of working all along the way? What's his deal? So he's mainly, um, my, my understanding, I, I can't remember if he acted in a whole lot else besides um, Temple of Doom and Goonies. Um, but then he um, was basically, um, he's Data in Goonies. You remember? You, you, you can't, yeah, of course. You, yeah, you no, no. My face, I'm looking, oh. my face I'm looking at is um, he's in the next season of Loki. A lot of it. Oh, awesome. Looking forward to that then. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, but yeah, no, he served as a stunt coordinator in, in Hollywood for like a lot of his career since then. Like he basically transitioned over and, and has done that for a lot. And I think this was like kind of his big thing coming back. I don't, I, I haven't read anything as to like, why did he decide to come back? You know, like what did he, you know, what was sort of the idea behind it? But right. um, yeah, it was great to see him. Um, I thought he was fantastic. I, I, I thought he was so good. Um, it's a big role there, there's a lot for him to do and he you know i mean i think we will obviously get to michelle yo and a lot will be made of rightfully so i think the work she has to do in this like sometimes even within a scene uh or, or like within a shot something occasionally um that she has to do but he you know also has to play like two very distinct characters for for large portions of of, of the movie you know he plays himself the kind of sort of somewhat clueless but very happy waymond and then alpha waymond from the Alphaverse, <laughs> who is like the very like you know very very together with it uh person but he was you know he was he was great and and <clears throat> one thing i'll say um i um may you know maybe just something about what was going on you know just hit me that way or whatever it was but i legit cried um during the scene um which is kind of his scene but also her scene um where you know about two-thirds of the way through the movie where like the scene where he basically like has his like thing where he says like not to you know to, to to kind of be kind to each other and like why why are we like why are we fighting and like you know that that kind of thing which is kind of a big emotional moment in the film um that that kind of pivots around and sort of leads her eventually to like the way that she wins more or less in the end by kind of, you know, as, as she puts it, fight, learning to fight like he fights and, and the scene where he kind of, and where an alternate version of him kind of talks about how, you know, he has this, he has a little thing where he talks about like, you know, he's like, I know you think like I'm very naive and foolish, but he's like, I'm not like, he's like, this is how I've learned to fight. Like I like kind of like, like I try to be positive and I try to like be, you know, just, feel you know find happiness and like what's going on and like this is how i fight through life basically and i thought that was a very nice sentiment and the way he delivered it and the way that scene went um touched me so like i, I thought he did a really good job is that where he's kind of the businessman wearing a suit and he basically says like you know i would um he had the same he, thing by the way like definitely i got yeah. choked up he, he said something along the lines of um you know i've been very successful and blah 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 but like living above a laundry shop alone with you every you know sounds sounds like it would have been great like it, it, yeah like i would have loved to do that yeah 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 that, that got me yeah that got me really good yeah yeah no i just i i i thought he did a really good job and i really appreciated in the script that they gave that character such importance because it's like he you know he could have just been a variation on short round in a way which like i love short round we all love short round it's one of the reasons i think probably a lot of people are really thrilled to see him in this movie but short round's also just kind of a comic relief character and it's like mm -hmm. waymond could have just been a comic relief character could have just been the clueless husband who talks about raccoon waymond and like all this kind of stuff like but like he really like he is like you know in large it, it, it all, all three of the main family characters are in different ways but like he has a lot of heart that he brings into them into this movie which i really appreciated 
So you said he was a stunt coordinator. Do you know if he's Tom Cruise? Is he doing his own, um, you know, martial arts in this or what's? No idea. I, I, I don't know, like, what he did for stunts or anything. I, I just know he was. Yeah, I have not looked to uh, to see anything more than that. I don't know if we should um, spend a minute going character by character or talk about some of the oddities. I want to come back and I do want to talk about Michelle Yao. I want to talk about the um, young woman that played their daughter. But um, as we're going through this, it makes me think of like the scene where he's using the fanny pack to start attacking. And then it makes me start to think of all the other oddities in this movie, like the hot dog finger area. Like how much of this stuff, like did any of it get too like, I like out of bounds for you guys or too weird or did you find all of it like all right that's funny or like what what felt awesome and what felt out of bounds for you guys i mean i think that like it's i think by the time they get you to like hot dog fingers like you're 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 either on board for the movie or you're not so like it none of it felt like i guess too weird is like a weird thing for this movie because like it's a super weird movie yes um it's, it's 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 definitely not for everybody, which which is like, I don't know. This is going to sound very condescending, and so I apologize for anybody who saw this and like was like, it's not for me because I feel like that's a valid thing to say. But like, I I do kind of feel like if it's too weird for you, I think you're all you also end up missing like a like like I said, like there's a lot of like stuff beyond the weirdness that would be very approachable and really like kind of kind of deep and moving. In, in a lot of ways in this movie. At least I felt that way. But yeah, I, I agree with what you were saying. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I think that, I think it, so that part of it, like the different like places that they went to, whatever wasn't weird for me. Well, the thing I, the thing I spent too much time getting stuck on was just like how the mechanics of what they were all doing worked. Like they seemed to, like I, I get the part where like, like it, it was like very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? You have to do something improbable, and then you can like, like skip across to another to you know to connect to another universe, whatever. That part makes sense and led to some very funny things of like him trying to give himself a paper cut. Like you can't give yourself a paper cut on purpose. Um, and like, well, you have to. Dude, that was the oh, that was the only part I couldn't watch was the paper cut yeah. part. It's like oh, I just can't yeah. think about paper cuts. But I, but I didn't really. I I I don't really know if just like. I didn't really understand what was happening and maybe it's the kind of movie where it's like, yeah, you shouldn't really understand. Don't try to understand what's happening. Mm. But like they spent a lot of time trying to explain it, which makes me feel like there's an explanation there of like, okay, you can connect to somebody else in another universe and get, learn something that they know how to do. Um, and then you're also kind of there too. And you, and some of them goes here and it's I, right, I didn't, right. You're like kind of like, fractured slightly like yeah i and i agree i didn't quite understand because like sometimes they would go back to that other universe right like there's a thing where it's right. like she's the teppanyaki like the movie chef star, and the right. movie star rest, uh, universe like yeah they go back yeah, to a lot. Yeah. yeah or like yeah or like the chef universe when she does something and then it cuts back to her and she's like flip the egg into like the customer's like chest and she's like looking at her like what the fuck but it's a thing but it is a thing where it's like is that like happening all the time when you're in there it seems like that couldn't be the case maybe it's just like if you lose focus slightly and go back to the other universe, then then it like affects or something. I yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like I feel like that was a little fuzzy, and I wonder if watching it again, I would 
get more of it or if it's just kind of intentionally fuzzy where it's sort of like you just got to kind of go with this and like you yeah know, yeah and again like it and and i guess i could have gone with it more if like <laughs> if there wasn't like multiple points where like michelle Yeoh's character is like wait stop and explain to me what's happening and then like they'll do another explanation and i'm like i still don't get it like i still don't understand and it's like you either need to just not try to explain it and just be like oh it's weird sci-fi mumbo jumbo don't worry about it or you need to actually have an explanation an explanation that makes sense and i'm not sure they had that right i don't think it like i don't think anything they said like like i don't think it was anything where it's like that can't work but it was definitely a thing where it's like you haven't explained enough right to like, yeah yeah to exactly. like yeah to, to, to like yeah because like, like i said it's it's absolutely possible that like how it worked was kind of what i just said where it's like oh like it doesn't affect the person in the other universe the you in the other universe unless like you lose focus and like go back into that universe like in the like are too much in that universe or something like that but like they didn't talk about any of that and like they only kind of showed it in a way that you could like maybe come to that conclusion but maybe not Right. So, yeah, did that yeah. diminish your enjoyment at all, Paul? Or did you like, was it more like, because when I was watching it, I was like, I don't quite know what's going on in some areas, but it didn't take away from me. No, I mean, like, I, as opposed to like, um, like Tenet, I was like, I have no fucking idea what's going on and I'm not enjoying this in the very least. That's interesting. Um, it bothered me a little bit for a little while. And eventually I just kind of made peace with the fact that like, I'm never going to understand what's going on here and I'm just going to. Like I'm never, I'm never gonna understand how this mechanic works. Don't, I'm not gonna worry about it anymore. And then it was fine. Yeah, that's fair. In the end, do you think there was a payoff for all that? I do. I think there was. I think there was an emotional payoff, um, and it made it made it made all the explanations make even less sense. But I think they knew what they wanted to do character wise at the end and then kind of backfilled for that as much as like as much as made sense which is fine like it's a thing you can do um but i think that's the payoff that came so michelle yao and stephanie sue both kind of had i think the most work to do across all the different multiverses or at least they traveled around the most so we should spend a, a hot minute talking about both of them Let's start with Michelle Yao because I think there's some things to pull apart that'll with Stephanie Sue that'll like kind of start concluding our our, our review a little bit. Sure. So um, let's Michelle Yao had. I was excited to see her in this movie, even like um, when I was telling Penny that she's like, "Oh, I love her," and I'm like, "What have you seen her in?" She's like, "I don't know. I just know that I love her." Uh, seems to be a pretty well revered actress period and obviously my first experience with her was probably crouching hidden crouching tiger hidden dragon forever ago um did she get nominated for that i feel like she might have maybe i'd have to go back and look yeah i don't i don't know i'd have yeah. to look too yeah i think i've not followed along other than this has been reviewed very well do you think she'll get nominated for this um that's a good question it i do by the way i think i agree with you because it feels like the kind of movie that people want to reward if that makes sense like uh magnolia kind of i mean it 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 it, it feels like yeah yeah like it feels like the kind of movie the academy wants to praise huh. 
which is not yeah. to say she, uh, which is not to say she did a bad job. I don't think she did, <laughs> but I do think that that's part of what's at play here. Yeah. Well, to me, this feels like the kind of movie that, how do I put this? It's not like, and when you say that the Academy wants, maybe you mean a different thing than I do. Cause like there are two kinds of the Academy wants to praise movies. Like they're the kinds that are like Oscar bait, which is like, well, yeah, the Academy wants to praise these cause these are the movies that win Oscars. Like you're like, I don't know, like the King's speech or like, like that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, of course it's going to get nominated for Oscars. Like, and the King's speech was fine to be fair. Like, I don't think it was a bad movie, but it's like, it's a kind of movie that always gets nominated. It's like a historical, you know, like hoity-toity kind of everyone's in costumes kind of thing. Um, and then there's the movie more recently that it's the thing where it's like, this is the movie, like this is a movie that like, I feel like there's a segment of the Academy and maybe it's even like mostly Academy. Here I speak as though I'm some kind of like Academyologist, but like, I think, I think, I think going back to that title. Well, we'll put Change it this LinkedIn. Maybe, maybe, maybe another way to put it is like very famously, as we were all there to do this, the Dark Knight did not get nominated for Academy Award. And there was like a for Best Picture and there was like a big outcry about it. And it is the reason why they expanded the Best Picture nominees from five to ten. But because the, specifically because the Dark Knight did not get nominated, they, they did that um, to like. And I feel like there was maybe an acknowledgement that it's like, movies like that regardless of what you feel about the dark knight movies like that like we probably should be recognizing in a way that we didn't for some reason and this feels like that kind of movie like this feels like that kind of movie it's obviously not a big superhero movie and it obviously wasn't like a big blockbuster of the summer even though it got a lot of buzz but it feels still in a weird way like that kind of movie like the movie that it's like maybe it's like this is a kind of movie that like the academy should be praising in some way shape or form and so we probably should um i don't know if it means that michelle Yeoh will get nominated though like it's like i could very like this feels like a movie that should obviously get nominated for like well it should definitely get nominated for film editing um but like like but like like stuff like that and like maybe like maybe like original is this is this an original screenplay or is it adapted i have no idea um but like one of those as well like like that kind of thing yeah, I, I think I think my point is slightly different than that in insofar as like this movie is close enough to other blockbusters, but is what I believe the Academy would consider like the good version of that, where it's like, oh look, it's all about like emotion and it's all about character and it's like, see, this is what good sci fi is, you know, that kind of a thing. Okay, that's um, fair. I, I I see what you mean. That's a good question. Do you guys think it's good sci fi? Do I think it's not like, really like like what do you mean by that like 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 specifically? Well, I don't know. I mean, Paul 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 said that he thinks that the Academy will say this is good sci-fi. I don't think it's sci-fi at all. But I th I think you're right. By the way, Paul. No, I don't think it's sci-fi because I think I think a good sci-fi at its best is something that can look at current things going on and then recontextualize them in a way that makes them more palatable to talk about um this this movie is sci-fi if, if if this movie is sci-fi then eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is sci-fi like that's what this movie feels like to me yeah that's bit. a good that's a good way yeah. to put it yeah like it, like it's and, a, and, it's and, a movie with sci-fi elements yeah. in it but it's not right. a sci-fi right i do not think of that as a sci-fi movie and i would agree with with you willie that this is not a sci-fi movie and i also agree with you paul that 
probably people like they may think of it as a sci-fi movie in a way because it has the multiverse and you're leaping across but like that's kind of not the point it's it's definitely like a emotions movie or whatever you want to call it like that that's what it is it, it, it's like a relationships movie and like figuring out like yourself and stuff like that and that the multiverse stuff is just sort of the lens through which that's all being done so Michelle Yao has to wear 8,000 hats in this. Her primary hat, though, is kind of this, is the worst version of, this is the worst version of herself across the entire multiverse is the primary hat which she is, has to wear. Which is, was, which is kind of great when they say that. <laughs> it really is, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, what do you think of her as a whole, you know, aside from, forget about, we're, we're, since I know you're an Oscarologist and all this, but <laughs> let's put that aside for a minute. I've. So, so, so what I'll say is like, I've never seen her before and I haven't seen her in everything she's been in. So, you know, but like, I've never seen her in a role before where she was like, had to play kind of like, kind of someone who's like, like I said, like kind of a, a mess and like, not, she's, she's never totally unlikable because you all, you do always kind of understand where she's coming from and what's going on in her head, but she's definitely not like. You know, like, like, like there are definitely times where she's just like flailing around and like, and like you are kind of getting exasperated with her a little bit, like the way that like, say Alpha Wayman or whoever it is, is like also getting exasperated with her. And I haven't, I haven't really seen her in that role ever. Like usually you see her and she's just in the like complete badass who like knows what she's doing role. Mm -hmm. And so that was cool. That, that was cool seeing her in her role. I thought she did a really good job with it. And, and, you know did a good job sort of growing in that role, but still very recognizably being that same person at the end of the film. Like it's, it is not as though it's not like, and this is no slight against this, but like, it's not like say the matrix where like Keanu Reeves is like recognizably more or less a different person by the end of that film, because it's like, he's changed so much. Like she gets a lot of confidence and all that, but she's still very much the same Evelyn at the end of the movie. Just, you know, mm -hmm. just one who, knows what she's doing a little more and like has made peace with like a lot of shit going on in her life. Yeah. How about you, Polly? Yeah. I think that like, like Nish, like the things I've seen her in or where she is like super badass. Like I most recently saw her on Star Trek discovery, um, where she played like <laughs> the evil emperor of the entire galaxy. Um, and good role for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was really good at it. Um, and then in this, like, my basically my big takeaway from this is oh Michelle Yeoh can convincingly kind of play anything, um, insofar as like she like I, and I think Nish you were kind of making this point but like you know she becomes more badass over the course of this movie but she never becomes the Michelle Yeoh stereotype badass if such a thing exists right, right? like she's still playing that character. Um, in, in the way that, like, if you watch a Tom Cruise movie, like, he always ends up kind of being Tom Cruise <laughs> eventually. <laughs> um, if, the, if, if not starting out that way. Um, and, and yeah, so I think, so I thought she was great. Like, I, I you know, was along for the ride with her, you know, you know, very much so. Let's talk about her daughter for a hot minute. Yeah. I... This... If I had to package this movie and explain what it was without giving away too much, uh, I would say a lot of the intricacies 
is about a relationship with your family and all the different ways you can potentially fuck it up or not. And it really, a lot of it stems from, um, it seems, spoiler alert here, doesn't really, regardless of the mechanic of how it was done, doesn't really matter what universe uh, they're in, she lets her daughter down over and over and over again to the point where her daughter doesn't feel anything anymore and is looking for a way to feel something. Um, so I thought that that relationship is probably the most important one to talk about. That's why I wanted to save it for last a little bit here. But um, let's talk about her performance as a whole and then some of the twists and turns of how we end up with a fucking everything bagel somehow. I want to start. I want to start with Paul actually, since since we we've been we've been letting Mish get a little oxygen up front. I think she definitely had the hardest role in the movie to play. Um, yeah, it, it, because in some ways it's she is at once like the most like grounded character and also the wackiest character in the same movie, and I, and I think that's challenging. Um, I thought her perf- like I loved the the non-alpha version of her. I don't know. I don't know if they ever named the universe that like all the main characters are from. Um, but I, I liked, I liked that version of her quite a lot. The, the, the bagel joy, like <laughs> alpha Jobu, joy or whatever. Jobu Tupati. <laughs> um, I thought she did a good enough job. I'm not sure the way the character is written really holds together for me. Um, like it, it was, it, it was a character who could very much do whatever the plot demanded and like did things because the plot needed her to do things. And that felt weird. But all that being said, like, I thought she did a great job. Um, and especially towards the end, really like nailed a lot of the emotional beats really well. It's um, funny. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. It's funny. It's like she plays what? How old do you think she's supposed to be in this movie? It's hard to know. Like 19, 20, 21, something like that. I don't know. That's the impression I got I, anyway. So yeah. I, don't, I, don't really I thought know. it could have been as old as like 24 or so. Like 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 it could have been out of college. I was guessing like seventeen or eighteen. She's thirty two in real life. Yeah, but you can do a lot with hair and makeup and costume. Of course, I didn't even recognize her. She's um. Do you guys watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? No, I did see she was in that when I looked up who who she was. Yeah. Well, you should. Uh, She's in two seasons. I didn't even recognize her until I just looked looked her up. Um, and she is hysterical in that in that show. This was Sorry, didn't um, mean to catch you off, Nish. No, no, no problem. Uh, I read afterwards that originally this, um, like when this was first in like pre-production and they were, you know, figuring out casting, this was Aquafina in this role. And then she left. Oh, or, I, I don't know if she left or they replaced her or whatever it was. But that's like who the original person was. Um, I, who knows how that would have been. I, I feel like that might have been a bit distracting. Like Aquafina has, you know, a personality a, a, and quite a strong one. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I thought Stephanie Sue did a really good job. It's the first, if you don't count like the entire concept being a twist, um, for, like 15 minutes in, I feel like that's the first big twist of the film that you find out that it's like this bad guy who everyone's been talking about is her daughter is joy. Um, who's like in a destroyed did universe. You guys see it? it was felt, felt obvious to me, by the way, did you guys pick up on it? 
not not at not first really. i mean i mean i mean obviously like mm. i knew once they showed her in like that other universe like where where she came like i i feel mm. you could tell it was her there i would say like yeah, and, and right. the fact they weren't showing her but like yeah and i don't think i knew before that um but um yeah i i do think that paul makes a good point about the jobu tupati version of her um, that it's a little, I, I guess the way I would put it is that it's like, so that version of her, like the Evelyn in the alpha verse, like pushed her too hard and like her mind completely splintered. And now she like experiences everything everywhere all at once. Um, and it was hard to figure out how like that experience would lead to like the personality that she has, which is like this very like. It's it's and this kind of gets to what you were saying, Paul, which is like maybe it's like a little too much of like whatever, whatever, whatever the particular scene demands of her, where it's like she's very disaffected at times, but she also like has this like dry sense of humor, which I can understand, but almost comes out as like kind of impish at times as well, like mm -hmm. i.e. like dildo fight and like stuff like that, um, where it's a little bit like I don't quite get how like that personality would come out of like that experience like the same experience that is basically telling you like i've created this bagel because i'm going to basically kill myself like i'm basically going to try to end myself so i don't have to ex exist like this anymore like it feels like like i i don't quite get how like you'd get from one to the other like like paul said like i was fine with it like it's only upon reflection thinking about it that i feel like it's like yeah like maybe i'm not quite sure how that hangs together yeah, the, the like the the macro version of her is supposed to be like this extreme nihilist, and then the micro version of her is very much feels like not right, right, right. which is I, weird. And 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 I will echo what Paul said, which is that I thought like the the normal joy version of her, I thought she did a terrific job with that character. Um, like mm -hmm. that, those scenes felt so real, especially the scene like the scene at the end where they're talking out in the parking lot like it, it just yeah. felt it felt like a very real conversation mm -hmm. i was wondering how it was going to hit you guys this is probably way tmi and personal but um for me like i you know having kids that are a little older right 13 and 10 like the things you worry about daily blocking and tackling are a little different than when they're when your kids are a little younger i am constantly like the thing i worry about mo most is like how am i screwing up my children in perpetuity right now and to me this movie struck all the right notes because you feel like you can guide and influence in a lot of different ways but also like in negative ways as well and I, I constantly worry about the way social media affects my kids, like the rate of depression these days amongst young kids and teenagers is like, it's like really, really bad. Something like 55% of teenagers these days have like some depression issues. Compounding that with just like the normal run of the mill, like what is the dumb shit I'm doing to screw up my kids? To me, this, that relationship there and the way it was handled struck all the right chords for me to get really invested uncomfortable and also like fall in love with the the outcome in the end so i, I was wondering if there was any if, if if you guys pick up on any of that as parents regardless of the age of your kids or like how you felt about the way that was handled i mean and that was deep and personal sorry but no, no yeah. that's good yeah i mean to be honest like 
for me, it, a lot of the the issues that came off of this movie felt somewhat academic. Like they didn't really, and this gets into some of the weirdness that like I didn't fully understand. But like they don't get into the fact that like, which I was expecting them to. Like they don't get into the fact that like the Evelyn Alpha Evelyn basically did this to Joy, um, and. Um, and how she like feels about that ultimately. And, you know, that to me felt like a big part of her character um, that I felt like they didn't really deal with. Likewise, the other thing along the same lines was like, so Joy gets to experience everything everywhere all at once and becomes this extreme nihilist. And Evelyn does too, but doesn't become an extreme nihilist. And it, I think what the movie was trying to tell me was like her relationship with her husband was why she is able to not do that. Um, yeah, that's very much the sense I got because basically like, right. Like that scene, like where they're both at the bagel like she is like on the verge of like joining her and walking in and it's his that is when he has that that speech we talked about basically like in in various universes he's like kind of makes that point and and right. i think that kind of pulls her back basically it's it's yeah it's specifically that wayman basically that that version of wayman kind of pulls pulls her back from it and and is able to sort of save her Right. I thought that's okay. Yeah. So I don't know. So I felt like, so anyway, all of that is to say, like, I felt like the, the issues surrounding, you know, pertaining to young people in this movie were, were essentially like either not really dealt with or dealt with insofar as like, yeah, like, you know, parents, what are you going to do? Kind of like, you know, parents like not what are you going to do that's being too dismissive but like you know you, your parents can can kind of screw you up sometimes and or make bad choices sometimes and that was kind of like the extent of it i don't know it, it felt like uh, honestly like it it felt to me like a missed opportunity because it felt like a sh i was constantly kind of waiting for another shoe to drop that just like never did and they just kind of didn't talk about it anymore because like she, she like the mom like drove her daughter to this she then turned around and killed her killed her mom right like i don't think i'm misremembering that do um, they do, do they say that she killed her I, I i honestly don't remember i know she's dead like the I alpha so. evelyn but i can't remember if they say specifically that he that she killed her or not yeah i thought so but yeah anyway, you, might, but, you might you might you might be right i don't remember yeah and then it just kind of doesn't come up anymore speaking of they did you guys do any research on the writers and directors of this movie? They're collectively known as Daniels. the Daniels. Yeah. And it's Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneider, not Daniel Schneider, the owner of the Washington Football Club. Um, they really haven't done anything before this of substance that I've heard of. And they did Swiss they Army. Seem to have a yeah, they, they did Swiss Army Man, which is another very, very weird movie. Oh, I know nothing about it. That Anybody? is that is the movie where um, 
oh, where Paul is, um... Paul Dano uh, winds up on like a deserted island with a talking farting corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe. Who? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we guess like, apparently they they come from a music video background, yeah. which some of the cuts make sense. That yeah, we'll see what happens to these guys in their career. Yeah, and apparently like they did all the. Uh, visual effects themselves like learning and like they self-taught themselves how to do it and some of that i liked dude i really I liked how they like what i really liked not not the fake by the way i've always thought a cool job if you were a designer was to be the person to make fake operating systems for for phones and movies and, and computers and movies that was kind of lame but i did like how they basically had like 1994 bluetooth headsets that they just like hit the call button on to do things yeah, but I, but the actual visual effects themselves, I, I don't know. I didn't really like that much, and they felt very amateurish and 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 not that great. Um, and I don't know if the I don't know if it was like a budget thing or they just thought like, oh yeah, we can do this. Um, yeah. We don't we don't need professionals to do this. And it's interesting. I I thought they were fine. Like the the sense I got for like the entire look and feel of everything was like Kung Fu Hustle. Like like Stephen mm. Chow kind of thing, which which is a very specific look. Like it's like this like sped up cartoony kind of kind of look to it, and I felt like that's what it was. Like I I don't think I remember seeing anything where I was like that was a bad effect. Like it was just like there's a very specific look they're going for with with like how this all plays out. And yeah. So fair enough. Yeah. Um. What what else do you guys want to talk about in this in this movie? I can I can kind of keep there's so much there there's a lot of meat here and a lot of oddities well, here. And a lot I'm of, sure there's things yeah, that, to chat through. There's a lot of silly shit that just like comes here and there through them and like yeah, I felt like there were there were a couple ones that I wanted to just note. Um uh, one of the ones, you know, I, I like the most was just the entire concept of Rakakuni. Um one <laughs> that basically it starts with her just like bringing it up, trying to explain to them like what's going on and messing up ratatouille and then even when she's corrected like insisting that it's raccoonie and then that she goes right. and then that it ends up being like she ends up being in a world where raccoonie exists is called raccoonie <laughs> like and it's an actual raccoon on the guy's head who he calls raccoonie um and that raccoonie is voiced by randy newman which is like even maybe the fun, the funniest part of it, and is like singing this like Randy Newmanish song as they're like cutting stuff in the kitchen. Um, and, and, like when and they were when the yeah when they were running after the raccoon that had been caught. Yes, yeah. Or and and, and just like all the lines that what's his name Chad like that the guy had where he's like raccoonie you taught me so much and like like all this, like it it was just like to me it was like just delightfully silly and also just how bad like intentionally bad the raccoon puppet was like mm -hmm. doing it like it was like this very like stop motiony like you know like i, I don't know like you know it, it reminded me of like like fantastic mr fox kind of like stop motion animation uh kind of look to it so i really like that the the other one that i guess i wanted to call attention to because it like it hit me and then i didn't pick up any of the other references but i went back and 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 um googled it afterwards because i was like where did that come from when they're in early on in the movie when they're you know when i think it's when alpha wayman explains to evelyn like why 
why she has to like help him save because there's a point where he says like just leave me like she's just like do do what you need to do just leave me out of it like why do i have to be part of this and he explains it and he kind of says like something's off and then he says very specifically he said like you know you can feel it your clothes don't wear like don't wear as well the next day your hair never falls in right. quite the same way and then i'm like are those the lyrics to like that story of a girl song? Like, I was like, did they just reference that? And then it was like, I Googled it and it's like, yeah, they absolutely did. And they also have three different versions of the song in throughout the movie in different parts of the movie that were cut by the guy, by like the guy who did the song. And I just felt like that was like a very interesting thing they did as well. Um, a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, I thought the concept of a bagel with everything was very funny. Yes. Um, and I really, I really liked that. And I thought that was great. I I really liked and wanted to see more of Alpha Wayland's team in the van because um, I thought they were pretty funny and I was kind of hoping to see and they kind of get dispatched pretty quickly. Um, but the little bit that we saw, I actually really liked. Um, and there was a, oh, I was hoping you guys could could actually answer a question for me because I don't know if the movie I don't know if the movie explained this and I missed it or because it was late and I, and I was getting sleepy or if they didn't actually explain it. But like in the end, what happens to Alpha Joy? And like, because I, it seems like at the end, like she's there in, I don't know, our, the universe we've been mostly watching, but then like what happens to that version of her? Like I, I couldn't really follow what happens to joy at the end i wasn't entirely sure either i think the way i chose to think about it in the end was that she did end up just going into the bagel i mean we don't see her come back out or anything um but maybe just through like talking through it and all that like evelyn's still able to like reconcile with like her joy like and and figure shit out because like there was a point where I had to remind myself where it's like, yeah, like if Alpha Joy goes into that bagel, like it's not like it's not like all the joys cease to exist or anything like that. Like she's just one joy, just one joy who happens to be able to experience everything all the time or something like that. And it's like just just because she can. like, But but I had to like tell myself that because I kind of forgot what the rules and stakes of like the whole thing were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My interpretation was either she sucked into the bagel or she just went back to her own alpha verse and. Okay. unhappily without without unhappily with a dead mom over there um uh, fair enough yeah and the, the last thing i wanted to say the other thing we haven't talked about all that i really really liked was rock universe um where where they were rocks and I forgot about that when she rock, when she turns around with the, with the google, the google eyes, eyes on oh my god i fucking lost yeah. it that was so funny the the other one um that they they didn't spend as much time on this as the rock universe, but I giggled every time when they were flashing through universes, they would go to the pinata universe. Oh yeah. Just the pinata sitting there getting hit. It was, yeah, I would, I would laugh Some every clever time that things, came man. The budget, the budget for this movie was $14.3 million. And they definitely probably saved a bunch by doing their own VFX, Paul, but some of it was like, Let's have a five-minute scene here with a couple of rocks, right? And just subtitles and on subtitles, the screen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. You know, it was a much longer scene than I was expecting. I was like, "Wow, how long are they going to do this for?" And they cut right. back to it a couple of times. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, the googly eye, googly eye rock was great. It's a success, man. So the movie is um, 
it made 101.4 million so far so yeah 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 no it's yeah it's been a big success like like you said like i'm interested like you know these guys will obviously get you know i don't i don't, I don't know if this is like some stepping stone to some like more quote-unquote normal yeah. thing or if they're going to be you know people who like always like kind of just do their you know it's like are, are they going to be like I don't know who I would think of like like you know one of these people who gets handed the keys to like some huge franchise or is it going to be like the Wachowskis or something where they're always just off doing their own weird thing and who knows if it like hits you know the Wachowskis I would say they misses more than hits but you can't but you got to say like they always kind of did whatever the fuck they wanted like it wasn't yeah so they're attached both of them to a TV show called Mason that is pre-production Mason Ah, the Perry Mason, Mason. prequel. <laughs> okay. It's no Columbo, guys. It's no Columbo. I never really watched Perry Mason, so I can't really comment on it. I would agree that it's no Columbo. All right. I gave you your window to talk about Mrs. Columbo. We're moving on. So should we um, should we put some grades on this then? Sure. Yes, let's. Okay. Uh, Ness, you go first. Um. So... I, you know, talking through it and thinking about it, like there's, there's definitely a, like parts of this movie that I could see not sitting well with people. I mean, Paul's mentioned some of them or and not sitting well with people, just like things that you could get stuck on or just kind of be like, yeah, this like didn't really work for me or I wish it went another way. And I think it's definitely too, it's definitely weird for, for some people. And I'm, I'm trying not to say that in a way that confers any judgment. It's like, you know, this isn't for some people and it is for others. Um, this movie is like apps, like a hundred percent in my wheelhouse. Like when it, like watching it, it was, I was like, yeah, it's the movie. Like, like this movie, like remind, like I mentioned eternal sunshine, a spotless mind, the weirdness of it also reminded me of being John Malkovich, which is like another movie that I just like adored when it, when it came out. Um, so yeah, I, I loved this movie. Like every, everything about it that I thought was great was great. And it, and it really, to me, for me anyway, packed an emotional punch that I was not expecting it to. Um, and stuff that wasn't, you know, or couldn't be as great. Like the, there was the stuff I recognized and the stuff I didn't. And some of it I just didn't care about. Or it wasn't important to me, even, even acknowledging that it's like, yeah, I totally understand why other people might not like that. Like I didn't care so much about it. So I really liked that. I'm giving it a four and a half. Polly. Hmm. Um, it's funny, you know, you mentioned some other movies there like eternal sunshine, which I liked. Okay. Being John Malkovich, which I didn't really care for. Um, and, and, and when I think about the, the weirdness in this, in this movie, I like, I think about why, why was it weird? Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like, I mean, there are people out there who like things that are weird because they're weird. They're like, that's weird. Wasn't it cool? And I was like, yeah, but why was it weird? And in the end, like, ah, I'm not really sure. Like, I feel like it was weird because they wanted to make something that was weird. And every, like, there's nothing they, everything they wanted to say, like they could have, they could have said without like dialing the weirdness up to 11. Um, so in in that way, to me, like it felt kind of, the weirdness felt superfluous, even though like, um, like some of it was funny and some of it less so. Um, so I liked the movie, um, some parts more than others. 
the one thing I think is interesting is as I think through it, would I would I ever revisit this movie? Is a is a question I've been asking myself since I saw it. And I think the answer is no. Partially mm-hmm. because I feel like it's a movie that wouldn't because it's a character driven, emotional beat driven movie, it wouldn't land as powerfully on subsequent viewings, right? Like for me anyway. Like, because I would know kind of some of the beats that are coming. And and I feel like the other parts aren't enough, don't make up for that to make me want to watch this movie again. Like I got what I I got what I got out of the movie, and that's I feel like that's all I'm gonna get out of it. And I kind of have no desire to see it again. Hmm. So all that being said, all that rounds out to you know, two or three. Like it's it's a good hmm. movie. I didn't think it was great. And, and unlike this, this is a movie very much not in my particular yeah. wheelhouse. Hmm. All right. I have a bit of a hybrid there, which is um, the movie is not in my wheelhouse. Uh, but I disagree with you, Paul, which is um, I want to watch it again pretty soon. And the reason is I think that the weirdness doesn't really matter so much and that's why it's not in my wheelhouse but the strength of story is there and i think it's really really strong maybe on the second viewing i'll change my mind or third viewing i'll change my mind but i did see the beginning a couple of different times and i think now that i know that it's a story about like kind of love conquering all there'd be a bunch of little things because it's a very fast-paced movie with the with the cuts and the tempo and the dialogue i think there's things that i miss that might make me like it even more um i love this movie tip to toe it's not a perfect movie um i think some of the weirdness makes it not the perfect movie like it's gonna sound fucking lame but i really would have loved it if they could have taken the butt plugs and the dildos out just to make it pg-13 to make it a bit of a movie where um teenagers could comfortably watch this with their parents and kind of connect in that way because it's really in my mind what this movie is about it's about like a a little bit of a lost teenager and her misconnection with her family and feeling so disconnected from everything that like it shakes her to across all of the universes that she could possibly exist in and i think um in an effort to like I, i thought all that stuff was a little gimmicky when it didn't need to be um that would have made it a five it's still for me a four and a half i loved it if it was a movie just for me um i just would have liked to see it slightly less weird and more um you know with a little more appetite for teenagers that didn't feel weird seeing dildos and butt plugs next to their moms and dads i want to i want to say like kind of to two things that both of you guys said like the dildo and butt plug thing first of all like they were those scenes were fine but like I agree with you. Like, like if like that's absolutely something you could lose. Like, I don't think it added anything particularly that needed to be there. Um, right. So uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I thought it was interesting what you said, Paul, um, before about like movie about why you wouldn't revisit this movie, forgetting that it's not in your wheelhouse, which I totally get. Because I feel like thinking about it, maybe it's not like a hard and fast rule. I'd have to really think about it, but like. I almost feel like I'm the opposite. Like you, like the fact that it's character driven makes it something that I would be more likely to revisit. Whereas something more plot driven, that's the one where it's a little bit like now that I know the plot, like I'm less likely to like care the second mm-hmm. time around. 
about the twists of the plot. Whereas with this, like, because I felt like it had an emotional resonance for me, and that's a big thing. Like, if it if it doesn't resonate with you as much, then it's like, you know, like, what, what does it matter? But like, since it did, I feel like that's the part I'd revisit. Like, I thought about a movie, a movie we watched for kind of an aborted version of this, which was Interstellar, um, which I think at the time I liked decently. Like, it was like, yeah, that right. was pretty good. I feel like that movie has gone up a, a ton in my estimation over the ensuing years. Um, and, you know, I, I like Christopher Nolan way more than you do, Paul. So we'll, we'll put that out there first. But like, besides it, it's, it's the emotional beats of that movie that have made it something that lasts for me. Like when I rewatch it, the parts I look forward to are like when he, you know, when he goes in the black hole in that scene between him and Anne Hathaway, when he's like, when she realizes that he's making the sacrifice, the scene with Murph at the end, when she's like old and in bed and all that. Like, it's like, you know, the scene where he like has all the, you know, where he sees all the missed messages and all that from like all the years when he was on that like water planet or whatever. Like, like those are the scenes that like last for me. And so I, I thought it was interesting that like you kind of see like, it sounds like you're kind of the other way. Yeah, I, th yeah. I think it's interesting because you 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 mentioned Interstellar, a movie I saw once, and don't ever yeah, think I know, about. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know, I know. You are not a fan. <laughs> but give me a movie like Primer, and that's a movie I've probably seen ten times because it's, true. it's that's very plot. intricate that's plot. Like right, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 that's why I said like maybe this isn't like a hard and fast rule. Like Primer, I think is one I yeah I've also watched multiple times, and some of that is just like the delight of continuing to unspool what the hell is going on in it and like even oh, yeah. five times down the line like figuring something out that it's like oh i get this part now and like i get why he says this or like what who which version of him this actually is like in a way that like i didn't so yeah i mean you're, you're right like it maybe maybe there's a little of both um yeah. depending on the movie yeah i th i think so and and i think to mention another movie that Willie didn't like that I did, which was Tenet. Like that's a movie where like I feel like you can unspool that movie and 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 it's a it's a movie I've seen twice and like I got more like I did too. I got more out of it. I feel like if I saw it again I'd I'd continue to get more out of it. And that is and that is probably the also a Nolan movie and probably the most emotionless Nolan movie there is. Um yeah. like where where emotion like I think they try to make it play a little bit of a role, but it really doesn't. And it's yeah. And, but, but I do agree with you, Paul. I watched it a second time and, and got a lot out of it kind of knowing a little more of what was the hell was going on. Yeah. Maybe though, I know we started having a different conversation, but like yeah. maybe that, maybe the Nolan movie that spans both of those things, the best, at least for me, is probably inception. The, yeah. I was going to say the dark Knight, the, no. the Oscar nominated dark Knight <laughs> that we already talked about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, I would agree with you with the, the like Inception probably does span both of those better. Yeah, I've never seen it. You never seen Inception? I, I never saw it. Wow. Wow, you should you should see it. I you should. I as someone who, as Nish just mentioned, isn't the biggest Christopher Nolan fan, I really like Inception. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Inception does have a a decent amount of emotion in it as well. And yeah. <laughs> here's our our plug for inception of all movies <laughs> movie, movie, which i have to imagine a lot of people have seen <laughs> all right well look man you should watch that's it two four and a half yeah. this is two four and a half and a three and a freebie watch inception for you yeah um that's a pretty well rated movie in our in, in our crew here yeah we all thought it was a good movie just to, to very just to varying degrees <laughs> that's true yeah um 
Guys, I um, need to replace some furniture in my apartment in New York. This is not Ooh. me cutting the show short, but um, this is me letting you know that um, I have to buy a new bed and a new mattress. So I figured... It's time for bed chat. Play the jingle. Bed chat. <laughs> I can't remember what our bed... I, we had a bed chat jingle. <laughs> no, I don't remember oh, what it was. Bed chat. Talking about beds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really need to talk about it, but um, question for you guys. I'm, I'm pulling the room here. Um, maybe this is going to make great podcasting, but um, I'm considering I have uh, it's a platform bed with a with a with a headboard that's um, you know um, I don't know like material, and um, I'm trying to decide whether it's going to be like gray or red or blue. If I should get a color to just go normal gray or dark gray or charcoal. All right, before we sorry, b- before we get to the color, I have to ask: yeah. Is there a particular reason? Did did you seek out the platform bed, or did you just happen to pick a bed that you like this platform bed? And the reason I ask just oh yeah, well, give, give me some. We're we're gonna get into this, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, it's bed chat. We're getting into it. <laughs> uh, so the okay. <laughs> the reason I ask is because our previous bed was a platform bed, and at the time I thought it was fine. No problems. Yes, a platform bed is just as good as a box spring bed. And then when we replaced it, we replaced it with a box spring bed. And I said, oh, there's a reason box springs exist. They're actually pretty darn comfortable. Well, I always get a, I get a, one of those uh, memory foam mattresses. This is my secret is that I've had, there is like a generic memory foam mattress I've bought. I think five of them now, four of them, like mm-hmm. we've moved a bunch. And rather than just like moving one of these fucking asshole mattresses, I just leave it and I buy a new one because they're like 350 bucks. There's a 12 inch one on Amazon. It used to be 250 bucks. The price has gone up. Inflation, it's killing me here. Um, but I usually just get a 12 inch thick memory foam mattress and then whatever type of bed. What, what do you call this material that is the that is the top of this headboard I just sent you? I mean, it's like upholstered fabric. Right? Yeah, upholstered yeah. fabric headboard. So am I way out of my lane if I go with the... Um, the orange one, the orange red one. Am I nuts? I mean, that's a bold choice for a bed. A bed's a big piece of furniture in a room. Yeah, um, it's a it's, it's it's a lot of orange. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to go with a real like muted um, uh, comforter. Mm-hmm. To, just white. Just white. Feel like I'm in for trouble. Stains on all the surfaces with just white comforter and orange headboard. Yeah, keep the black black light out of the room. Yes, you know I drink a lot. Uh, of, I drink a lot of coffee in bed. Sure, coffee. I, I think you should go all the way to the yellow one. <laughs> I do, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not. I'm not afraid of the yellow. I was. I was going to do either the green, which looks teal to me, but I'm colorblind. Wait, is that actually green? It looks teal uh, to me. This makes. No, cool. This makes. It's very teal. Makes, yeah, that's this totally makes great teal. Po- podcasting. <laughs> I was thinking either teal or orange. For for those of you who can't see this. There is a version of this headboard which is green, or says it's green, but is absolutely teal. <laughs> I had to take advantage of bed chat one ta- one time because I'm actually buying a bed. Yeah, this is the perfect time to do it. Well, I was going to ask right. about King versus California King, but it looks like no, 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 can't fit it in the New York apartment. Can't fit. I have a king. Can't fit. I have a king. Like either, I'm going with a queen. Oh wow. Sorry, bud. Yeah. You know, not all of us uh, can afford the luxury of lying diagonally or sideways or vertically or whatever way I want in our bed. Right. It's just one of the many advantages of living in the middle of nowhere. There you go. 
My bed's a queen. I can't I can't fit a king in here. I mean, I can, but at the expense of not being able to do a lot of other things. It's, it's, it's only when anybody's Paul to bed, then he's got a king in bed. There you go. <laughs> Just because of my little crown. <laughs> All right, sing us off with the bed chat. <laughs> talking about beds. <laughs> Nish, do we get any emails this week? Sure. Yeah, we we, we have some emails. Um, Wait, did I get an answer? Do I get the orange bed or no? I need a vote here. I would Put say it up for vote. I would, I would say, say no. no. All right. Do I get the blue bed? Vote, vote, or yes or no? Uh, definitely not. You would. You, I, I, okay. would, I think you should get orange over the blue green one. Dark gray or light gray? Hmm. That's a good question. That is. Let me let me let me look at them real quick against each other. Uh, I basically have a bed right now that's the same color as the light gray. And I like so it. when I'm replacing it's the same color. Oh, uh, then change it out. Get the dark gray. Change it out. Yeah. That's why I'm like, let's get the fucking orange. Let's just go. Well, don't lose your head, but <laughs> you can change it up. <laughs> okay sorry go ahead hit me with an email now the decision's made sure. that was a bed shed post show <laughs> exactly that's a, the b-roll um okay so um we uh have a couple of emails let's do this one so this is an email from grace um and this was in reference i think to our let it shine mini flicks that we did um so um, Grace says, so let it shine, you know, the way you guys talked about it makes it sound like it's a so bad it's good movie, uh, which, oh, yeah, yeah. I, would, I would say that's very much the way oh, we yeah. talked about it. <laughs> um, and her question is, what, like, over your over your lives, what have been your go-to so bad it, it's good uh, movies? Like, what, what are the movies that you guys, like, watch that the three of us have watched? Not necessarily all three of us together, but, like, you know so yeah. for me a key part of so bad it's good is watching it with other people definitely mm. yeah um and i mean for the last i don't know how many years i don't do that very much right but, right so like these these may go back a little bit yeah i think they're, i think they would have to um so one one that occurred to me um that i haven't watched in a while but i watched it in the theater with people and then i bought the dvd and had it for a while was uh crossroads no it was it was oh. crossroads the britney spears movie um mm. which is just bonkers at times like like the like just the, the whole idea of the movie the various subplots that are going on which are like way too serious for what the movie is at times like there's like a abusive relationship going on and shit like that but like juxtaposed immediately against like you know britney spears like dumb shit going on in that um um have you guys seen crossroads no i've never no. seen it okay so we should do it for the show well I, I i should tell you it is there are four main people in it it, it is britney spears and her two friends going on a cross-country trip and a guy who drives them and the other three people are hilarious who they are okay so one of them is um t the the kind of white trashy friend who is taryn manning um, who uh, yeah. you, you probably know from Orange is the New Black is Pencil Tucky or whatever he yeah. is. Yeah. Um, one of them, the the cool, like, popular friend, 
is none other than Zoe Saldana before she became famous. What? <laughs> yep. No. Yep. It's the first thing I ever saw Zoe Saldana in. Um, and then the guy who is driving them across is Anson Mount. First what? thing I ever saw him in. <laughs> oh my God, we have to watch this movie. Yeah. So Anson Mount has always, in everything he's done since then, been to me the dude from Crossroads because that is where I saw him first. And it's like, oh, the dude from Crossroads is uh, getting some... You know, getting some stuff to do. Oh, he's Black Bolt. Like, oh, he's you know, whatever uh, Captain Pike. <laughs> like, it's like, it. Yeah. So it, it is. Yeah. This this movie is kind of insane. There's a Ralph Macho movie named Crossroads. Not that movie. No, not that movie. He's that's uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's where he's, a guitar he's yeah player. he's like a guitar player, right? Yeah. So that's when mine. I first started playing guitar, everyone was like, "You should see this movie, Crossroads." Um, <laughs> mine is um. You know, we watch so many fucking movies for this podcast. It's it's hard to, like, quantify, I think, for us so bad it's good because we've seen some bad movies, and we can just call them bad. Um, this might be controversial opinion, but um, Labyrinth is a terrible movie, and I still think it's good. Labyrinth? Yeah. So Lab- It's really dumb. I, I, no, no. I, but, I, I, but, I, but, I, but I really like it. Sorry. it's It's so bad, but it's good. I agree. I, I mean, it is not. I I don't know if it fits into like the so bad it's good in the way that like what is good about it is how bad it is. But right. but I do uh, agree. maybe though. But you have the fucking scene in the middle with David Bowie singing to like a fucking crystal ball or some right. shit. There, there, like, there are definitely well, what the fuck is this? There there are definitely elements of it that are so bad it's good. I would say David Bowie and his like kind of codpiece thing going on is is definitely a so big bad it's good part of that movie. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I would definitely agree with you that it is not a great movie as, as I think beloved if you were to as watch it, it is now. Yeah. We watched in the eighties when we were kids, Kid. all this stuff kind of registered. Uh, you know, what also was really bad was that He-Man movie with Dolph Lundgren in the eighties, but I still thought it was good. That is a bad movie. And that, that might be a, so bad. It's good movie. You got Frank Langella yeah. as, uh, as Skeletor. <laughs> right. Who played, um, is the guy who played the 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 principal in Back to the Future plays uh, Man at Arms in that movie? Right, he plays he plays That's Man at right. Arms. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strickland and and the guy in the original uh, Top Gun, the your your whatever your ego's writing checks, your body right. can't cash or whatever. Yeah. And there's one other movie from that time frame that's so bad as well called No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember No Holds Barred. A lot of those kinds yeah. of movies are definitely really bad and then it's just trying to figure out like are they so bad they're good or are they just really bad just fucking terrible paul what do you got uh, uh i don't have anything i was i've been watching the preview for crossroads uh, <laughs> <laughs> i haven't been paying attention watch it? <laughs> we should mini we should mini flicks i kind of have to see this movie now <laughs> is it available I, anywhere I, for streaming? I have not seen it in years so yeah i would be up, and, and it's not particularly long if i remember correctly I can't imagine how it could be. I guess we can go to Nisha's house and watch it. You still have the DVD? Yeah, it's not a Blu-ray. It's like old school <laughs> DVD. <laughs> still have the DVD. It's it's somewhere. <laughs> it's in a, in a box. Yeah, how no, long it's is not it? streaming anywhere, unfortunately. Oh. We'll, figure, we'll figure it out. That blows. Yeah, it's 94 minutes. Perfect. Let's see if we can get them on Plex. Very crisp. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. Did, uh, I, did I did I also mention that her dad is Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> I, I saw in the preview. Yeah, I forgot about that. I totally oh forgot God. about that. 
yeah it is uh it's kind of insane yeah and oh justin God. long's in it <laughs> it is it is not available from app from apple tv somehow ah uh, that is disappointing it's very disappointing let's see if we can get it on plex yeah. we'll take a look all right so you don't have it you you don't have any other movies that you could think of that uh um, that, that you remember no i mean the the only ones i can the only ones that immediately jumped to my mind were the joel schumacher batman movies um which like in retrospect in retrospect like thinking about them it's like oh yeah those movies are exactly what like what we thought of them is exactly what they are like yes. they weren't <laughs> they, they were campy and silly and yeah um and like pretty bad but also actually pretty entertaining i have vivid memories of going to see batman and robin in the theaters and just laughing my ass off at everything arnold schwarzenegger said in that movie yeah i went to uh i saw batman forever with one of our friends in the theater and just giggle we giggled our way through it basically making fun of various parts which is kind of a hallmark of so bad it's good right that's that's yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah so i think yeah i i I do think those work definitely batman i mean batman and robin like if nothing else the all of the arnold schwarzenegger one-liners are pretty awesome in in uh in batman and robin they really lean into that yeah for uh, sure yeah Yeah. they still work all right right. so those are look you 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 want to send a follow-up email um where where do we do that you can do it by emailing talk to podflix at gmail.com that other platform nah we're not even we're not going there huh no elon musk owns it now we're not going to say say definitely not now (laughs) all right we'll see you all next week All right. Bye, guys. Is that how we're going out from now on?